Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I timed that out pretty well, I thought. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to your Wednesday edition, February the 21st of Fantasy NBA Today. It is the second half. It's not really the second half. Last third slash Silly Season Stashes episode, Alliterations Gone Wild. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on social media. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Please do find me on Twitter at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. That's again at Dan Bespris, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball or Dan from Sports Ethos. You should be able to find it pretty fast. Also, take a moment here at the front end of the show to please subscribe Whether it's YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, you guys name it, please hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube before or after the fact. Hello. Uh, If you're watching on Twitter, hi. Follow over there. Subscribe, however you're taking it in. It really does matter. You guys think I'm just blowing smoke. I'm not. It's a big deal. We're still small. At least on the video side. I guess on the traditional pod side, we're sort of like a medium now. We've graduated into a medium. YouTube side, video side, we're still small. So uh, whatever you guys can do over there is much appreciated. And again, if you like what we churn out, show it by doing as such. Yesterday, this is sort of like a second half of a show, and not officially. Um, Yesterday, we did a show on likely shutdown candidates and tried to remind all of you that there aren't nearly as many as you think. You're looking at every team, you're just like, oh, all these guys are going to get shut down. And it just doesn't happen that way. Guys get a game off here, a game off there. Sometimes it's this sort of complicated mishmash of who actually, you know, there's time. I would say time off is more common than full shutdown. At least when we're talking about, you know, it's, you know, mid-end of February right now. We've got the entirety of March and then the first two weeks of April before the season's over. Mathematically, a lot of these teams are not going to be eliminated until at least mid-March and then many more towards the end of that month or the beginning of April. So that's where you'll start to see things ramp up a little bit. Although you will see the game off stuff happen by crap, some cases as early as now, but also kind of throughout March, you see that stuff start to crop up a little bit. So on yesterday's show, we talked a bit about some of the names that could get shut down with the the big piece of the puzzle. And I don't want to go through the entire show from yesterday. You guys can go back and watch it. The big piece of the puzzle is kind of isolating the teams that are likely to lean into losing and have players who have been in the league for a handful of years have sort of nothing to gain by getting reps down the stretch. So uh, looking at someone like a Kyle Kuzma on the Wizards, uh, even Tyus Jones on the Wizards. If you're looking at the Hornets, there sort of isn't anybody left. Raptors have, you could argue, Jakob Pertl is someone who probably doesn't deserve, or not deserve, but doesn't need reps. The Blazers have DeAndre Ayton and Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon, who's already out, but, you know, maybe does he pop up and pop back down again. Jaron Jackson Jr. on the Grizzlies was another name. I'm not willing to take the full plunge on teams like the Rockets, the Jazz, the Nets yet, who as was astutely pointed out in the chat room yesterday, they don't even have their own pick, so there's sort of there's really no reason. But also, the Nets are two and a half games out of a playoff spot. The Jazz are two and a half games out of a playoff spot, though they are certainly going the wrong direction. The Rockets are three and a half games out of a playoff spot, and they want to be competitive. 
So you take all those things into account, you isolate whatever it is. I think we had seven, six or seven names on the show yesterday of guys that were a, I don't know, say severe, but a significant shutdown risk or, you know, time off and then shutdown risk. And today we talk more about what that means for what's left over. Because yesterday, maybe you take that information, maybe you lean into some sort of sell package. Do you try to get off of whatever the problem could be for those guys? Do you take a discount coming back from maybe a team that's not as concerned? Hopefully your leagues end early enough where this stuff is not a massive issue anyway. But yeah, also maybe they don't. So a lot of this stuff is more relevant if your league goes to the end of the regular season, which... Look, I can yell at you guys all day and all night that you got to end your season early, but if you're playing in a Yahoo Public Prize League, they don't. They go to the end, and you don't have any control over that. We can scream at Yahoo, but they're not going to care what I'm doing here on a podcast. Nor should they. Nor should they. And they're probably not going to start end their seasons early in those public leagues because how do they then pick the date it needs to be standardized. Like they could say, we're going to eliminate silly season, but like, what is silly season? So they go to the end and it's annoying. Roto. It's fine. Cause anything that a player did for you all season long, like this concept is less about Roto than it is about head to head. Admittedly, you know, some of these guys that are going to get possibly a silly season bounce, uh, they'll work on both formats. And, you know, for Roto, you can drop them in, when they get, if it's a spot start, like the guy in front of them, uh, I, I'd rather use this example as we're actually talking about the players, but, you know, say hypothetically, we already mentioned Kyle Kuzma here on today. Say hypothetically Kuzma took a day off for any number of reasons. I think he missed the last game or the second to last game, one of the last games before the break, which was only a week, but feels like four, uh, for an illness. They can just chalk anything up to a cold at this point. Everybody's freaking sick right now, so it's not like the league can be like, nah, he doesn't have a cold. They all have, everybody's got a cold. Either play through it or you don't. Every day on this podcast, I'm playing through a cold. Corey Kispert, we saw big ball game with Kuzma out. A lot of guys actually had big ball games with Kuz out because a lot of usage went back into the big bucket. But the guy that jumped from not a play to a play, sort of the like go from the 140 range to inside the top 100 was Corey Kispert. So, Roto side, you can keep him on your bench if you want. It's kind of the Al Horford phenomenon right now. He starts anytime a Boston Celtic is out. And I'm not saying Al Horford is your silly season stash. I'm just saying, based on the numbers, Al Horford's been a play all season long because of how many times he's been insertable into a lineup. Obviously, you want to only use him on the games when he's rolling top 50, which is as a starter. But technically, you could have used him all season. And I think guys like Kispert and the other, maybe the guys on this list, also possibly fall into that, where it's like, look, if you just rolled him out there, even on the head-to-head side, they'll probably get enough spot starts or spot usage bumps over the next six weeks, seven weeks, whatever. What do we got, eight weeks left? Come on, Dan, you can count. Uh, to make them playable even on the head-to-head side. But certainly in the very near term... These are either stashes, as was the label on the show, or Roto spot plays. Let's get into it. That's enough, I think, of a preface. Hopefully you guys get the idea. Number one, 
And these are in no particular order. This is the order that I uh, found. I was going through the shutdown names, and I thought, all right, I'll just start throwing these guys on a list. Do up wreath in Portland is player number one on our list because DeAndre Ayton is a possible shutdown candidate. If Ayton does not get shut down, you do not need to worry about this, but that is why it's stash relevant. On the season so far, Reith is number 230 in about 17 minutes per ball game. But as we've seen, if he can actually stay out of foul trouble and actually start and finish a basketball game, he is actually relatively fantasy-friendly game. So the key here is, and this is sort of the analysis portion of it, let's go find the games. Let's play the game log game with most of the guys on this list. The game log game is fun because we're looking for days where the player in question got what you'd call starters minutes. In my eyes, that's like 27, 28 minutes or more. That's not necessarily what Reith got when he was starting. There was a little bit of bad luck. He was hurt at the same time as DeAndre Ayton the last time around, so he didn't get as many opportunities to go spot play mode. And sometimes when he starts, the Blazers got blown out so hard that he only played 24 minutes. So that also has to be taken into our calculus because the Blazers are going to be awful down the stretch. But if we look at Reith's numbers this year, and we say basically games where he got to 27 minutes, and there's a 26-minute and 53-second game on January 5th that I'm going to go ahead and round up. There's a 26-minute and 20-second game that you have to round down. Uh, basically, any time that Reith has had 27 minutes or more, He's put up a viable fantasy line. January 5th, seven seconds, not enough. Uh, 16 and seven with two assists. Seven out of 12 shooting and a three-pointer. The following game, two days later in Brooklyn, 41 minutes, 15 and 13, a steal, three blocks, and three three-pointers. That's a big fantasy line. Then they got blown out a bunch of times. They lost to New York by 30, lost to Oklahoma City by 50. 60, excuse me, they lost to Minnesota by 25, so I think he was actually starting those ball games without looking it up super fast, but he only played 21, 24, and 24 minutes, and his numbers weren't good enough. They had a more competitive game against Phoenix back at home on January 14th. He played 39 minutes, went for 17 and 6, two steals, a block, two three-pointers. 25 minutes in a win over Brooklyn wasn't enough, but he did have 17 and 7, so he sort of slipped through, and that's the entirety of it. That's every game for Reith this season where he's hit what I call starters minutes, 27, 28 or more, somewhere in that neck of the woods. He's had more starts than that, and that's the downside here, that even when he starts, there's no guarantee he gets 27 minutes. But, and this is sort of the Al Horford phenomenon, if he starts, it probably happens often enough, especially if this team goes into full silly mode, where it's like, who cares if we're getting blown out? We can still play him 26, 27 minutes. That the bad ones will average out with the good ones to still be fantasy startable on a night-to-night basis. It's hard to take his numbers and just extrapolate. 17 minutes a game, he's at half a steal, half a block, 9 and 4. It's not that far off, I guess. I mean, 1.4, 3-pointer, 74% free throw shooting, so he's not going to hurt you all that much there. He's not a good foul shooter. Field goal percent is at 47.5, and And again, with all the three-pointers, that's going to weigh that down a little bit. It's going to be hard for him to be, you know, mid-50-plus guy if half his shots are coming from downtown, despite being a big man. So a few things have to break in his favor, 
namely we can't have the you know the 21 minute performance in a blowout loss because that's going to mess up the averages but he's kind of their best option there once DeAndre Ayton isn't playing anymore when that happens I don't know and I don't think it's going to be immediate I don't think this is a like Ayton's is about to shut it down. I think this one's still multiple weeks off because Ayton missed a bunch of time earlier this year. So he's kind of making up for lost time right now. So do up wreath is the first name on your list. Let's go to name number two. I kept this one relatively short, just four names on today's show. Corey Kispert, who I already mentioned in passing. And this one's uh this one's an exciting one because all of a sudden Kispert has decided he wants to be heavily involved in his team's offense. Much like Reith, he's outside the top 200 on the season so far. That's in 22-ish minutes per ball game. But one thing that I do like about Kispert is that he gets three-pointers without ruining your field goal percent. Yeah, that ain't an easy combo to find. He has colossal gaps in his fantasy game. He gets no defensive stats of any kind. He's averaging .4 steals and .2 blocks in a little under 22 minutes per ball game. Last year, he played 28 minutes a game, and he was at .4 steals and .1 blocks. It was worse, if you can believe that. But, also, they had Christoph Porzingis, they had Bradley Beal. Uh, his usage, his involvement in anything that was going on was much, much lower. You can see, just looking at some of his recent lines, he is far more involved in what the team's doing lately this year, even than earlier in the season, but certainly way more than the last two years where there were legitimate, good, high-usage players on the team. Now the high-usage guys, I mean, Kuzma's fine, but the high-usage guys are not very good on the Wizards right now. And it's, look, I mean, you can say what you want, like, say, oh, they're still taking the usage. There's a confidence factor for Kispert that's like, look, if I take a shot, it's really not a step down from our number two usage guy taking a shot, which is Jordan Poole most nights. Kispert can be out there going... It's better for the team if I'm firing away than Jordan Poole. That matters for these guys. They're human. Listen, NBA players, they're all extremely confident by nature. But there is something that goes on on sort of the team dynamic front, where for Kispert, last year he's probably out there going like, I better make sure that the shot I'm taking is the absolute perfect shot, because if it's not, I'm taking a shot away from Porzingis or Beal. This year it's like, I'm going to take my shot. If it ain't perfect, don't care. It's still probably better than whatever Jordan was going to do. I mean, maybe he has to be like, ah, like maybe I should defer to Kuz. Maybe I should defer to Tyus Jones sometime. Like, it's just, a, it's just a different set of mental hurdles for him. And I'm not saying that he's processing these things in real time. I'm just saying, like, when he's out on the court, he can feel free now, knowing that if he takes shots, it's one of the better looks the team is going to get. And the nice thing about Kispert is that we've already seen how it looks when someone is out of the way and he starts going usage mode. And some of it happened when no one was out of the way. But let's play the same game again. What does Corey Kispert do when he gets 27, 28 minutes or more? It hasn't happened that many times this year, so it's not like it's going to be all that hard. Second game of the year, he got 32 minutes. I didn't see that one coming. And he put up 22 points, three rebounds, an assist, and five three-pointers. No defensive stats. So, again, other stuff's going to have to paper over that mess. But five threes, that's all right. He didn't 
Yeah, 26 and a half. You get 26 minutes, 31 seconds on November 12th. So technically, I need to round that one up. And that game wasn't particularly pretty for him. But the next time he actually cleared 27 minutes was November 24th in Milwaukee. He had 20 and 5 with an assist and six three-pointers. The following day, he played 28 minutes, went cold, had 10, 1, and 2, went 1 for 10 from downtown. Up, oh, whoopsie-daisy. I know. 28 minutes on December 15th, 23 points, one rebound, one assist, one steal, one block, three three-pointers on 64% shooting. So again, there are some highs and lows here involved. 29 minutes on tw- January 10th. It's a month later at this point. Uh, 15-3-2 with three three-pointers on 6 out of 11 shooting. And then something happened. I don't know what the hell happened, but something clicked on the very last day of January. He just decided, you know what? I'm a shooter now. And he went 27 minutes, 16-2 and two with three threes. 31 minutes on February 2nd, 26-4-2 and two with six three-pointers. Uh, 25 minutes the next day, he had 15 points, missed his seven threes. 33 minutes in a loss to the Cavs, he had four three-pointers, went for 23-7-6. and six. 24, 6, and 4 the following day in only 24 minutes, amazingly. And then the last game, after he had cooled off for two days, Kuzma sat uh, and he put up 24 and 6 with five three pointers in 32 minutes against the New Orleans Pelicans. This is a guy that when he gets starters' minutes, he's over three three pointers a game. You heard how many times I said five, four, five, six threes in that. And again, that'll average out with the games where it's not that high. So you can't just look at the games where he's hitting five three-pointers and say, oh, he's going to average five threes the rest of the way. The simple fact that he has games, multiple, where he's been four, five, six threes tells you that when that averages out with the ones and the twos, you get someone that is three or higher. But I firmly believe he does need someone out of his way. I know he had a few ball games in there where he was putting up some decent scoring lines, even when the team was largely healthy. But he needs one usage guy reliably out of the way. Because, look, if he's not running hot, which he was for those, like, four or five games where he was taking 13, 14, 15 shots, even in lower minutes sometimes, then the, then the shots come back down. Six, eight, 11, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Because if he's cold, he's not going to go chucking. The nice thing is, if Kuzma's out or if Poole's out or whatever, it doesn't matter if he's cold. He's going to keep chucking. And he's a good field goal percent guy that also hits three-pointers. That's an interesting combination that does kind of help paper over the fact that he is horrendous in defensive stats. You guys know I like the guys that get defensive stats because it's easier to move yourself up the fantasy board. It's harder when you have a, a fantasy profile like Kispert, which is points, threes, He's not even that great of a foul shooter. I mean, he's okay. He's 83%, uh, 78 this year. Low sample size stuff, but you know it doesn't take enough for it to matter. Okay field goal percent. Like, sort of the prototypical shooting guard line. But the nice part is, on his current trajectory, he's at two three-pointers a game in 22 minutes a night. If you bump that up to starters minutes, that gets you up near three three-pointers a night. And that is notable. The guys that hit three three-pointers a game, you start to get up into that upper echelon where, frankly, it's just easier to have fantasy value. There's only like 18 or 19 guys in the NBA that average three three-pointers a game, uh, and only two of those guys are not everyday startables. Tim Hardaway Jr., who, again, does it because he gets fill-in games for Luka and Kyrie, and Boyan Bogdanovich, who 
Sadly, profiles a lot like Corey Kispert on the fantasy line side of things, points and threes. Uh, but Boyan has had a weirdly down season from the free throw line, uh, and both of the percentages for Kispert this year are actually better than both percentages for Boyan. Unexpected, but that's the case this season. And that's the that's the nice thing about Corey here, is that, you know, if you're head-to-head, he's playing every day, so he's not ruining you. It's hard to get a good cross-section of his numbers lately. Like, you could look at the last two weeks, and you're going to get a lot of sort of big ones blended in with little ones. He's number 93. Small sample, again, 17 points, three three-pointers, four boards, two-and-a-half assists, minimal defensive stats and a 49-89 split. That's kind of what you're hoping for. If you're dropping him into a lineup right now on the head-to-head side, you're hoping that the good and the bad balance out to that like 100 to 150 range. And then Roto, you spot play him for now. And when someone starts getting those rest days and the spot plays start to become more than 50% of the time, that's when you can, I think, feel more confident on the head-to-head side. Say, okay, now he probably pivots inside the top 100 more consistently. But that's why he's, this again, this blend of spot play slash stash guy on depending on format. This one's more with the heart than with the brain, but I got to throw him in there. Name number three is Kelly Olinick, And we're going to break Kelly Olinick down after this brief message. From me, not from one of our partners. The message is from me, and the message today is twofold. Number one, now that more of you are watching in real time, please take a second to like and subscribe. It actually does matter a lot. If you're over on Twitter, follow at Dan Vesperus. Actually, no matter where you're taking it in, go follow at Dan Vesperus. If you're watching live or after the fact on YouTube, the like button, the subscribe button, they're just right there on the screen. They're so easy. I don't know how easy they're to find on uh the, the podcast app on, on Apple mobile devices. I don't know how easy the button is to find on, on Spotify, but find it and hit it, please, to subscribe. It uh, Again, it's a big needle mover for us here at uh, Fantasy NBA Today and Sports Ethos. And the other thing I wanted to uh, show you guys, I wanted to try something new today, and we'll see if I can do this in a way that is somewhat reasonable. All right, here, we're, we're going to try something. We're going to try something fancy. Come with me here. Come with me to the Sports Ethos homepage. There it is, sportsethos.com. We have something at sportsethos.com that I don't think people realize. So if you go to sportsethos.com, you hover over the NBA tab, and you look in the Fantasy Pass subheading, over on the right side of the drop-down menu is a button called Daily Projections. I bet you guys didn't know we had this. I'm going to click on it, see how long it takes to pop up here on the old computator while it's also running a live video stream but as you can see on your screen and this is important for those that are listening after the fact i'm going to try to describe it to you guys the daily projections which are loading right now or failing to load on my screen again because i've got too many things running the daily projections is something we have at sports ethos that is there they go now they're coming up is updated daily and is an incredible tool if you're making say On the full season side, you're trying to figure out who to spot play because it does incorporate information on who's in and who's out. You can set it to 8-cat. You can set the day, 9-cat. DFS, this is another reason you can sort by whatever category you're hunting for here, any of the counting categories, uh, which is pretty amazing stuff. 8-cat, 9-cat. But let me show you what this is for DFS. Look at how cool that is. 
So it takes in the actual prices on DraftKings right now, and you can see how that relates to the projected points that they're going to put up on DK. So we actually have daily projections at Sports Ethos now. This is brand new for 2023-2024 season. Uh, they're updated. You can see when they were posted this morning at 8.21 a.m. Eastern time, which is, uh, I think I believe exactly three hours ago from this moment. Um, they get updated as news breaks. It's pretty amazing stuff. So you can actually use these to build out your DFS lineups. You can use these to build out your full season fantasy lineups. If you're daily, if you weren't thinking about trying to drop somebody in there and you're looking for rebounds or assists or whatever, you can sort by that individual day's projection. They are, again, updated every day. It's a really cool new feature we've got at Sports Ethos. If you have the Fantasy Pass, you have access to it right now. And if you have questions, you can also get the Fantasy Pass at Sports Ethos by hovering over this Get Premium button. There's the loyalty program. You can also scroll down to the Fantasy Pass and just choose Buy Now on that page. It'll take you to the checkout page for premium. And there's your choices. The All Sport, Baseball, Basketball, by the way, Baseball Draft Guide is coming in the next couple of days. So there's another thing to keep on the back burner. A great reason to get the all-sport if you're thinking about getting a fantasy pass and get those projections to build out your lineups on the fly. I think that actually went relatively well. That was kind of cool. I haven't done that thing before. All right, let's get Kelly Olenek back up on the screen here. All right, so again, um, this is one where I'll admit I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping... I don't think the Jakob Pertl shutdown is super likely. But if it's even a little bit likely, this is a player that could change the fortunes of your fantasy team. So this one's different than the other ones. We just did uh, Duop Reith, who's not a super high upside guy, but it does feel relatively likely that at some point this year, DeAndre Ayton stops playing basketball. Because the Blazers are horrendous. They're way out of contention. Aiden's been playing through a sore knee for parts of the season. Anyway, like, what's the point? And then even more so in Washington. This team is horrendous, and their guys have actually played the whole year. Kuzma's been very healthy. Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, these guys have been super healthy. So they'll get to a point where it's just like, you know what, I played my full season. I did my 65 games. I did my 70 games, whatever it is. And then they just won't need to play anymore. So in those instances... Talking about Duop Reith and Corey Kispert as the guys that step into value, I think it's more likely that those guys end up with some fantasy value, but they're a higher floor, lower ceiling type. That's not really fair because Olinick actually does have a pretty high floor. The way I'm trying to grade this out in my mind, and hopefully the way that I'm expressing it makes some sense to you guys, is to basically say, like, what are the odds that Reith and Kispert have playable fantasy value in 12-teamers the rest of the way? From this moment, not that outstanding. But what are the odds that they have a nice stretch from some preset date to the end of the season? Basically, the date that the guy in front of them gets out of the way to the end of the season. What are the odds that that guy gets out of the way? And then what are the odds that they then step into fantasy value? So for Reith... And Kispert, I think the odds that the people in their way get out of the way is relatively high. Better than 50-50. Call it that Aiton on the Blazers eventually pulls the plug on the season 
and or Kuzma slash Poole slash Tyus Jones, that somebody in Washington, or a combination of them, eventually stop playing for the year. I think the odds of those guys shutting her down at some point is pretty high. I don't know when, mid-March, late March, early April, something. Toronto here with Pirtle, I don't think the odds of Jakob shutting down are as high as the other guys, which, I mean, maybe I'm off base, but the Raptors are still technically in the mix in a way that the Wizards and the Blazers are not. Raptors are five games out of a playoff spot. Mathematically, that should take them, I don't know how they're going to play for the next four weeks, but mathematically, they shouldn't be eliminated until basically the beginning of April. So, like, is that a stash that even makes sense to get two weeks out of a backup? Probably not. But do we see Pirtle start to get some games off? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm less confident here that Jakob gets the time off. But if it happens, the upside for his backup is colossal. There's a chance that you see Houston Rockets era Kelly Olynyk slide into that spot and just sort of be Canada's hometown hero. It feels like a beautiful story. Just be like, oh, yeah, uh, okay, Kelly Olynyk, you're, you know, you're not going to play every second of every game for now, but at some point this year, we're just going to let you be, you know, Canada's favorite son. This is an expiring contract year for Olynyk. Uh, the Raptors would basically be like doing him a solid, just say, hey, go play starters minutes for three or four weeks, put up ridiculous numbers, go get yourself some more money. Not that teams don't know what he can do, but it would be pretty good, I think, for him to go out there and go nuts. And this is why, in my mind, maybe this is the most impressive or most important stash of all. Because if this one hits, it's a league changer. Kelly Olynyk as a full-time starter is a fourth rounder or better. Corey Kispert, Duop Reith as a full-time starter. Those guys are like eighth rounders or better. That's fine. That's playable and useful. But it's not difference-makey. Yeah, I made up a word. Difference-makey. So, yeah, I think the odds of this one happening may be more like 10 to 20%, but the odds of it being good if it happens is like 100. And the last one is one that I keep kicking back and forth, and I felt like I wanted to put him on this list just so that we could talk about it, and that's Santi Aldama, who three weeks ago I thought had a really nice shot to just be a fantasy value, uh, but his minutes haven't been guaranteed in a way that I thought they would be. I admit I handicapped that one wrong. I thought that when the Grizzlies went into sort of early silly mode, that Aldama would just get 33 minutes a night. He has not. There have been a bunch of games in there where he just played like 22, 23 minutes. Doesn't really make any sense to me. And you could point at the last three games and say, look, Dan, Aldama's averaging 29 minutes a game over the last three weeks, and he's outside the top 150. And I'd say, yes, you're right about that. But there's a few things that are at play that we are somewhat confident, very hopeful, but also somewhat confident will change. Over the last month, if you want to extend it a little bit further, Aldama is shooting 50% at the free throw line. And over the last three weeks, because of really one or two really bad games, he's shooting 43% at the free throw line. That's a negative that will generally be a small negative. He's not a good foul shooter, but... If we get him back to, and I've said this before on the show, we need him to get back to last year's percentages. This year's percentages are not acceptable. 43% from the field, 59.7% from three, 
from the free throw line. No chance he could have fantasy value shooting under 60% at the free throw line. Last year, he was at 47% from the field, 75% at the free throw line. And yes, he was alongside better players around him when he was putting up those better percentages. But I just sort of refuse to believe that he's a 43-60 guy. 43% and 60%. The nice thing about Aldama is that if he does play 30 minutes, he can be one steal and one block and two three-pointers and six-plus rebounds and three-plus assists and 12 to 15 points. So there's like a lot of things that he can do that are really interesting. But the question is, we know the percentages are going to be ankle weights. We just don't know how heavy. How heavy are the ankle weights? And I don't know. I can't know. We can guess, but he hasn't been in the NBA long enough for us to be like, yes, we know for sure that this is going to be the case. The reason that Aldama's back on this board is that when JJJ is out, his minutes seem much more locked in. JJJ was in. He had a 22-minute game. Why? Eh, just wasn't playing that great. Yanked him, which is actually not true. He's a plus 11 in that game. Yanked him anyway. JJJ was out. Guaranteed 30-plus minutes. Lower usage than expected, which has also been a thing that I'm like sort of squinting at. Like, what are we, what, what's happening here? So there's a few things going on with Aldama. He's not my favorite stash on this board. Now that we're sort of approaching, you know, we're a couple weeks out from the trade deadline now. We're, we're moving towards silly season instead of trade season. Which one are we going to get? It's pretty, I, I'm uneasy about it because every week he just continues to shoot 42% or worse from the field. And every week he continues to not hit any free throws. And I'm just like, are you this guy now? So let's be clear. Short version is if Aldama is just this guy now, a 42 or 43% shooter who can't break 75% of the foul line or can't break 65% of the foul line, Cast him off into the ocean. Doesn't matter how many minutes he gets, he wouldn't have fantasy value in 9-cat. Can't do it. Not with those percentages. Not unless he suddenly started taking 18 shots a game, and you're just like, all right, whatever, grin and bear it. Because he's now a 26-4 and guy with 1-1-3. Sure, fine, but that ain't happening. But if he dials it back, all the way back to 2022, 2023, all the way back to last year, then he does then belong on rosters. Because if he shoots 47 and 75... He'll go free throw on a higher usage on 30 some odd minutes with JJJ out at some point, then he would have value. The question is, are you able to sit on it until then? And I'd say, eh, he's probably hurting more than he's helping right now when the minutes are bouncing around. I'd rather play Kispert. I'd rather play Olinick if he's healthy enough to go here out of the all-star break. I would not play Drew Upreath. Sam, I am. I would not, could not. Not while DeAndre Ayton's in, because he doesn't do anything when Ayton's around. At least these other three guys are playing some when the guy in front of them is still in the way. Wreath uh, is very much a... You're not deploying him in any fashion until Ayton is actually fully shut down. All right. Asking you shall receive. That was the Who Benefits in These Scenarios show. I am Dan Vespers. Thank you, as always, for listening, everybody, or watching, however you happen to be taking in this content. Again, like, rate, subscribe. Hit me up on social, at Dan Vespers. You guys know the drill at this point. 
Tomorrow, we got one more show to do before basketball comes back. We'll, we'll throw a little bit of a preview in there, and uh, we'll work from that point. I don't know that I have a specific topic for tomorrow's show. Eh, we'll come up with some fun stuff. Maybe we'll do a mailbag. I haven't done a mailbag in forever. I don't know why I'm doing this on air. This is the kind of stuff I should just be yelling into the void after the fact. Thanks to the live viewers. Thanks to the after the fact viewers and listeners. I'm at Dan Vespers. I'll see you guys over on social. Until tomorrow.